Welcome to Stepping Through the Old Testament. My name is Nigel Carson and today is episode 20, Stepping Through the Song of Songs. The Song of Songs is one of the poetry and wisdom books of the Bible. It's a sensuous love poem about the spiritual and sexual love between a husband and wife. While some of its descriptions and graphic speech may seem a little offensive to us, nevertheless in ancient times they were considered quite elegant and seen as a compliment. The Song of Songs is sometimes called the Song of Solomon, and it's one of two books in the Bible that doesn't mention God. The other is the Book of Esther. Written approximately 940 to 960 BC, Solomon wrote the Song of Songs when he was a younger man, the Book of Proverbs when he was middle-aged, and the Book of Ecclesiastes when he was old and well experienced in life. The Song of Songs was intended for married couples and singles contemplating marriage. In short, the story is about the courtship and marriage of a young woman referred to as the Shulamite, and takes place in ancient Israel in both the woman's garden and the king's palace. But the Song of Songs is more than just the story of marriage and love between two people. It's also an analogy. The Song of Songs uses the analogy of the love between a man and a woman to describe the love between God and human beings. The Song of Songs is saying that our relationship with God can be like this. We should be able to say to God, my beloved is mine and I am his, in the same way that lovers speak to one another. In order to help understand the puzzling story that seems to be hidden in the book of the Song of Songs, I would like to read an extract from David Pawson's book entitled Unlocking the Old Testament. Here David paraphrases the Song of Songs and tells the story in an uncomplicated and orderly sequence. The following is an extract from David Pawson's explanation of the Song of Songs. Solomon had a country estate on the slopes of Mount Hermon. He used it as a retreat from the pressures of being king in Jerusalem. He could relax, go hunting and forget for a while that he was the king. On occasions he would lead sheep to find green pasture and water amid the rocky terrain. He might typically travel 15 miles in any one day. On Solomon's country estate, a tenant farmer had died. The farm passed to his sons, though we don't know how many there were. There were possibly three or four sons and two daughters. One of the daughters is a child. The other is grown up and is the subject of the song. Her life lacks any excitement. Her father divided the estate, giving vineyards to both the sons and daughters but the sons make her do all the work in the house and a lot of the work on the farm. She complains that she had to look after their vineyards so much that she neglected her own. Furthermore, because she's been working outside, her skin has become dark. Although bronze skin is an attractive feature in our culture, the reverse was true for her. Indeed, a bride would be kept out of the sun for 12 months before her wedding. So she was conscious of the fact that her dark looks meant that she would probably remain a slave to her brothers for the rest of her life. One day she's working in the fields and meets a young man. They enjoy conversation and arrange to meet the next day. 
After a few occasional meetings, they agree to meet every day. The meetings become the highlight of the day, and after a fortnight, they are deeply in love. The one thing that troubles the woman is that she doesn't know who the young man is. She keeps pestering him, asking which farm he comes from and where he rests his sheep at midday. But he evades her questions and will not tell her who he is. She is deeply in love with him and he with her. And finally he asks if she will marry him. She has waited years for this. She is overjoyed and says yes immediately. He tells her that he has to leave the next day to return to work in the south, in the big city. He leaves her to get ready for the wedding and promises to return. The next few months are the most exciting of her life. She never thought it would happen, but now at last she is to be married. But she begins to have nightmares. It doesn't take a very deep knowledge of psychology to interpret her dreams. All the dreams are centered on one theme. I've lost him and I'm looking for him. One night she dreams that she's running through the streets looking for her lover. She meets the watchman and asks him, has he seen him? But he hasn't. She runs around the streets frantically searching for him. When she finds him, she gets hold of him, drags him back to her mother's bedroom and tells him she will never let him go. When she awakes, she finds that she's holding the pillow. Another time she dreams that her lover is at the door and puts his hand through the hole in the door to lift the latch on the inside but he is unable to open it because it's bolted further down. She is paralysed and can't move. She can't get off the bed and he's trying to open the door and she becomes frustrated. Then his hand disappears and she finds that she can move. She runs to the door and he's gone. The nightmares have a simple explanation. She's afraid that he won't come back to marry her. She thinks this is only a holiday flirtation and her lover won't keep his promise. Then one day she's out in the fields and notices horses and chariots and a great cloud of dust approaching. She asks her brother, who is it? The brothers say it is the landlord, King Solomon from Jerusalem, who has come to visit his estates. They get ready to bow down low before the king she has never seen him and so she takes a look only to find out that the king in the big chariot is her young man since everyone knows that he has already got 60 wives she realizes that she must be number 61 so she leaves the farm and travels south to live in the palace they are married and she appears at the first banquet held to honor her she sits at the top table next to the king and feels distinctly inferior to the 60 beautiful, fair-skinned queens in their robes all around her. When a man has more than one woman, each woman begins to feel insecure and asks whether he loves her more than the others. So she asks Solomon if they can go back north. Can't we just lie on the grass under the trees? Couldn't we just go and live on your estate up there? He explains that because he is the king, he must live and reign in Jerusalem. Finally, she asks about the beautiful women all around her. She says with a tone of real inferiority, I'm just a rose of Sharon. I'm a lily of the valley. We assume that these are beautiful flowers, but in Israel, 
they are tiny little flowers which you could walk on like daisies in a lawn. The lilies of the valley grow in the shadows and the Rose of Sharon is a tiny little crocus that grows on the flat plain next to the Mediterranean Sea. The king's reply is that she is a lily among thorns. That delights her, for lilies among thorns, by contrast, are the most beautiful flowers in Israel. This lily is white with a graceful form, and this is how her beloved sees her. So she sings a little song to rejoice, and the song is, He brought me into his banqueting hall, and his banner over me is love. What I've just read is the outline of the story as given by David Pawson. But in conclusion, the Song of Songs celebrates the union of a man and a woman as they join together and become as one. It is a ballad of their love and deep attraction to each other and the feelings they experience in their emotions and bodies for one another. It's an exchange of their love notes and it's also a story of their adoration, satisfaction, delight and sexual desire. But the Song of Songs also reflects the deep intimacy a man or woman can have with God. In the New Testament, Jesus is described as the bridegroom, while the church is described as his bride. Here in the Old Testament, the Song of Songs gives us an expression of God's heart in his love and desire towards his people. Like a bridegroom, God's heart is overwhelmed with the beauty of his bride. The church that Jesus bought, cleansed and made glorious through his death. One day he will return to collect his bride, and in Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 9, we read about the wedding and the marriage feast of the Lamb which will take place in heaven. There is a beautiful hymn inspired by the Song of Songs, which is entitled, I am my beloved's and he is mine. This has been sung in churches and meetings over the years, and one of its verses is a direct quote from chapter 2, and verse 4, where it says, He brought me into his banqueting house, and his banner over me is love. The Song of Songs is a picture of what God intends to do with his church at the end of the age. As his precious bride, and with love in our hearts for Jesus, God will usher us into his presence, and there he will preside over the marriage of a son to the most beautiful bride ever seen. In this marriage, there will be no arguments, no misunderstandings, and no divorce. Instead, it will be an eternal relationship of love, adoration, and joy unspeakable. Thank you for listening. In our next episode, we'll be stepping through the book of Isaiah. God bless.